What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right. So this is uh, New York Real Estate Investing. This is a crazy real estate stories part two. Greg and Michael here. Uh, Mike, we uh, got a lot of good feedback from uh, part one. I actually listened to it myself <laughs> after the fact and I thought it was just, thought it was pretty good. I was like, this is, this is a good show. So uh, a lot of the lessons we were talking about, we, we had some good stories to, to kind of go in there and, and weave in. So it, it, it actually was applicable. We weren't just stand up comedians. So with that being said, I started last time, so I want you to start this time. And the point of this show is just to to talk about really what can happen in this business, good and bad, and uh, hopefully you can you can hear these stories and and get entertained, educated, and you can be a little bit more uh, uh, aware of what goes on in, in the reality of this business. Okay, so crazy story. So I have a crazy story. Um, I had a property in Roosevelt from a seller that like every single real estate investor has spoken to. The guy's on everybody's list. He owns <laughs> a lot of rental properties and uh, some of them are net. Some of them were, are vacant. He's on every, every single box gets checked off of this guy. And uh, I had spoken to him. He had mentioned this property and then I couldn't, couldn't lock it up. And then uh, one of my students got it locked up for a price. Um, and the story with this is it's an illegal two family and it's got two sets of squatters, squatter upstairs and a squatter downstairs, both of whom have never paid the guy rent and yeah. he wants to sell it. So we came up with a price and I thought that it was a decent price and I put it out to my list as occupied and I got crickets. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. So then I said, you know what? Let me try. First of all, let me see if I can get him down a little bit. I got him down a little bit. I got to sell it down a little bit. And then I did not have it under contract. We had just agreed on a number. And I went to the, I went to the, to the property. And I, I knew one of them was like the instigator. One of them was like the guy who really moved in and, and took over. And the other one was renting from him until she realized she wasn't. Yeah. And I started negotiating and I came up, I think it was 6,000 or $8,000 each. And they said, okay. And then I, I, then I put the property out to my list as vacant and I got really good numbers. So like I was able to wholesale it for like 60 or $70,000. And that was F and I think that was, that was before I paid them the 12 or $18,000 or the $16,000 I paid them. But I had to, one of the guys said, I need some money now. So I had to give him some money to start when I didn't even have the property under contract. So I knew there was a risk, right? Because in theory, if the seller figured out that this place was getting vacant, he would never have given me the number he gave me, no, but I knew yeah, he not really going anywhere. He's old. Um, and I took a huge risk, but it worked out perfectly. I paid them when they left and we, next day we closed on the wholesale and it was a great deal, but it was a huge, it was a little bit crazy because I was dealing with some crazy people. Oh, and then, the, and then the woman came back and said to me, well, you should pay me more because I have kids and this guy doesn't have kids. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm not, 
you know, the, the negotiation process that goes through their mind is crazy. And I think on some level, I could have gotten her property empty without paying her. I don't even know. But in the end, I, I just, I knew I had to deliver a vacant and I paid basically getting people money before I even had the property on the contract. So that was a little nuts. Um, but it worked, it worked out. Thank, thank God it worked out. What'd you walk away with uh, after the, after the deal? I think it ended up being a fifty or sixty thousand dollars wholesale deal, and I had to split it with a, with my student who actually had the deal. Yeah, I feel like every deal you do is like fifty or sixty grand when you're wholesaling. You guys it's make pretty, serious money in, in that. I think we're averaging um, our our average wholesale deal is creeping up towards forty thousand dollars. So that's good. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Was that the one you called me about when I was in San Diego? You were like, "Hey, I got this fucking crazy seller," and like. You call, I remember you, you, it was a property with yeah. something like that and you just needed some advice. And I was like, oh yeah, say this to the seller. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you helped help me with that. It helped, it helped. It definitely helped. Did it? You're welcome. Um, anyway, <laughs> interesting. So what, what's the biggest, I mean, obviously you, you reiterate a lot of points. What's the biggest lesson if you had to take one away from this? Just just kind of roll the dice sometimes or what? what My lesson is, yeah. I mean, I mean, you got to make business decisions and, and, and risk money that you can afford to lose. So like, I think my, I think what I put out was three or $4,000. It was to get the guy to sign a document saying he was going to leave. The other tenant was okay taking it all when she left. So I had some risk, right? I could have lost three, $4,000, but to risk three or $4,000 to potentially make, you know, a total of 60 grand, it's a no brainer to me. People said I was crazy when I told them that I'm like, but I, I'm willing to take that risk. Like that is, is a possibility that I'm going to give this guy the money. The seller's going to realize that everybody's leaving and tell and, and not sign the contract. Yes, but in the end, the contract got signed and it all worked out. So I think the takeaway is that sometimes you got to you got to risk it for the biscuit. A hundred percent, hundred percent. You got to risk it. That's funny. I just had a similar scenario happen with this. I, I, I wish I could say his name. I, I would love to say his name, but I just don't want to be that guy. This absolute peckerhead in Kingston. He, uh, man, he like. I don't want to get, I, I could say some bad stuff, but he basically jerked my chain for like a month and he was like calling buyer? me out. Yeah. Buyer calling me out. Cause I got a little, I, I didn't yell at him, but I was like, dude, I'll be honest with you. You're being a total like pansy. I'm like, you got to literally like put your fucking big boy pants on. And he got pissed. And then he was, what was, it, what was it? What wasn't he doing? He wasn't signing. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. And he won. I, I doubt he's listening. If he is, he can go fuck himself quite frankly, but uh, I'm serious. I don't give a fuck. Uh, so, <laughs> we i had the same thing I, I locked down a deal we actually had this thing locked down though this was not bullshit locked down a deal um and i was like i don't know if this is a good deal or not so i had some somehow i got a 10-day inspection in there I, i've been doing that recently the attorney has to be blind to accept that but this attorney mm -hmm. i guess couldn't see that day so anyway so we had this 10-day period and it was uh it was I put it out for like 15 grand. It wasn't like a home run. And I'm like, fuck it. I can't go broke making a profit. It was from texting. So like it cost us whatever. Right. And no one really wanted it because there was tenants inside. But as, as usual. Um, so this guy comes along and he, he called me actually, he called me in general. And I'm like, and it was a referral from somebody else. And I'm like, you know, and he's like this, like in person, like I like meeting people in person. I'm like, dude, I'm in fucking California. Like, what the fuck do you want me to do? Like, want to fly over here, feel free. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not letting you come to my house either way. You probably smell, but anyway. Um, so he he wants this deal now, and I'm like, okay. He lives in the city, and I'm like, listen, dude, you should go see the house before you like let me know you want to buy it. And he's like, no, I don't need to see it. I'm like, listen. That's fine. Totally cool. You're going to go off these five pictures I have. 
that's fine. But just, I don't want this to get bullshit. I just, I, I'm just being honest with you. You know, I'm giving him the upfront agreement. Ah, it's all good. It's all good. So we had to like make a change in the contract and it took forever, like literally forever. Cause the seller's attorney was like a dinosaur. And then my attorney did a great job, but like, there's only so much they can do quite frankly, right. You can't control somebody else at the end of the day. If, if anyone knows how to do that, let me know. I'll buy your course. But so this is dragging on for like a week. And I keep telling the buyer, I'm like, listen, dude, I gave you my word. I'm going to sell you the house. I'm not going to, dick around i'm not going to sell Who's anybody else why is dragging dragging around now or the or the seller's attorney's taking forever to draft this change in the contract because we had the terms changed and he was like i was like listen this might take a couple of weeks the guy's on vacation i'm like just just go roll with me here dude roll with, this is by the way this was last week so this is like a recent story um so i'm like listen dude you have my word i'm selling you the house i know we have a handshake deal now but just be patient it's going to be all good. Everything in the contract is going to make sense for you. So when I sign it, there's going to be no bullshit. He's like, awesome. I can't wait to buy it. This is so great. And I'm like, good for you. Wait to sign it. And then, you know, smile after. So he, he keeps hitting me up and he's like, Hey, where's the country? Where's the country? I'm like, dude, I told you the fuck is going to take a couple of weeks. The guy's on vacation. Shut up. Like, you know, I didn't say that, but I'm like, and then he so starts hitting me up. <laughs> yeah. So he starts like bombarding me and I'm like, listen, dude, it's like Thursday. No, it was Friday. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, this guy is on effing vacation. Like, chill the hell out. Like, I'm going to sell you the house. I'm not going to, like, screw you over, dude. Trust me. And I'm like, are you going to buy the house? He's like, oh, I want the house so bad. And I'm don't like, all right. Me, don't tell me that they made the con the change in the contract, and then the guy changes mind. Get this. It gets better. We're just getting warmed up here. So now <laughs> I'm like, dude, just, I'm like, if you want. And then he got pissed at me. I'm like, if you want, by the way, this is not binding, nor am I an attorney anyway. We can sign a Word document that says, Greg's intending to sell and you're intending to buy. There's no legal obligation. Um, I can type that up right now and email it to you. He's like, oh, I don't do that anything without my attorney's approval. And he starts saying this bullshit. Oh, and know. I'm like, okay, this is this guy is starting to piss me off. So then the next week rolls around. This is last week. And he's like, hey, man, I got some other properties I'm thinking about. I'm like, listen, dude, we're going to get the contract this week. Just wait. So one at a time. Yeah, one at a time. I'm like, you know, hold your horses. Uh, so he starts getting flaky and I'm like, listen, I just spoke to the attorney. They're getting it done right now. We're going to get it over to you. And then he starts saying some stupid shit. And then he's like, by the way, I need in the contract that it states that the tenants are going to be out. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, hedge fund manager, genius. Like no shit. That's why we fucking been waiting for two weeks. You, you dingling. And I'm now I'm getting pissed because he's starting to say, and then he's like, by the way, there needs to be a specific date that the tenants are out. It's got to be a specific date or else my attorney. I'm like, you're dude. Selling it to, you're selling it to my occupied, correct? Vacant. Oh, vacant. vacant. Okay. So in the contract, I actually got the contract and I looked at it and my attorney sent it over. It says it's so black and white. You can't see anything else. It's like this property will be delivered vacant or else the buyer will not close. And it's like closing date, 40 days after contract is signed, contract date, whatever, April, whatever. So he starts saying some stupid shit now. Now he's like, my attorney is probably not going to want me to sign this now. Uh, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, bro, this thing says vacant, you dummy. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't like the way you do business. And then he starts calling me out. And I'm like, listen, I said, I don't know how many houses you have. Quite frankly, if you had 200, I don't give two shits. I said, you sound like a total amateur and I'm pissed at you. I said, you are the biggest flake I've ever seen in my life. I said, are you freaking crazy? 
And I'm talking, I, I was, I should have done this. I was talking to him like a dog. I should not have done that. Not right. professional. I'll, I'll, I'll own that hundred percent, but I'm pissed now. It's like five o'clock out here. I'm tired. So he's, then, then we start getting in an argument. Now we're, we're going at each other. Now we're button heads. And I'm like, dude, listen, dude, you are the biggest. And he hasn't signed anything, right? No. And I was working my, so he's, he flakes out and I'm like, listen, dude, like, I can't believe this. Like this I'm like, you could do whatever you want. Quite frankly, I don't care, but you are an absolute clown i'm deleting you from active campaign as we speak and don't ever bother me again like and i'm gonna i'm not gonna like send an email saying you're a flake but if someone asks me you best bet know what i'm saying uh i'm just gonna be honest with them i'm not gonna say you're a bad person because you're probably not what, but, he, like, what did he say he's like oh I get it you know and he was just saying all the stuff that didn't make any sense and i'm like listen dude like i hope you have a good weekend like i'm not i'm not taking this personally but like just don't bother me again so the point of the story is if you're like, if you're a new wholesaler or a new investor and you're doing a deal with buyers you don't know with, you've got to vet them. And some of these buyers, not all of them. I mean, this doesn't happen that often. Some of these buyers are going to be total, like they, 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 they're so reliant on their attorney and they have no flexibility at all. They're going to kill some deals like on the wholesale side. And it's, it's just going to be inevitable. Like you're going to get disappointed sometimes. Fortunately, like I'm numb to this at this point. I like, just had a, estimate. I had a very, very similar situation happen on a deal that closed last week. Where also a guy. What happened? I want to hear it because it's it's amateur, like, dude. an amateur buyer. I thought I felt like he was an amateur. He was asking for things that don't make sense. Yeah, that's what happens. And then he flaked out at the last minute. So Did the guy that what? Did he sign an assignment? He signed and, but we sort of screwed up. My attorney screwed up something on the assignment. So I couldn't keep his deposit. It's fine. And he thought, whatever, it's a that's a longer story that I want to get into. But then his lender told me, oh, I have somebody who wants it right away. So I called this guy. He's all hot to try for the property, but his attorney won't sign an assignment. His attorney is like, it's too punitive. We'll just go to closing. So I'm like, okay, let's go to closing next week. And then nothing happens. They won't close. I had somebody else who bought it. It was like $5,000 less, a big deal. But um, some of these attorneys are just impossible. And they're impossible. Working with a buyer who you don't know, who doesn't really know what you're doing, and you got that vibe off the guy doesn't know what he's doing. It's, it, it, if a guy doesn't know what he's doing, then if his attorney tells him, hey, there's a risk here, which every attorney will tell every amateur there's a risk, because there is a risk. There is a risk. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, it's a nightmare dealing with people that are afraid. That's, that's 100%. the problem. 100%. And, and, and it's like, I, I think one of my weaknesses, I know one of my weaknesses is I, if I get frustrated with somebody and I don't, if I know them, I'm, I'm going to be cool. Like I'm like, but if I don't know them and I don't have a relationship with them, I tend to be a little kind of sharky, not like used car salesman sharky, but I'm just like, well, I'm saying we both, we both have points where, where people push us past it. We say things that we shouldn't. I think yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody has that. I don't, I don't, I wish. I wish I had better control of my emotions, but when yeah, something yeah. happens to me, I, I, we all, we get upset and then we say stupid things. That's just how it works. We get pissed, yeah. And it, it's yeah. and I apologize to him after. I, I actually called him up and I said, "Listen, man, um, I know we got in a powwow there, and, and obviously I'm not happy about this. I'm sure you're not either. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have talked to you like I talked to you. Um, and I apologize for that. But I do want to know, like this this is something I don't tolerate, and I I, I know I sounded what, like a, what happened with the deal in the end. So I just put it out on Monday. We got like five people interested again. So hopefully we sell it this week. Um, that's on my list after this podcast is over. But you know, you, if you're a new investor, you got to understand when you're 
when you're dealing with buyers who you don't who you don't have a relationship with, and if if they're really, this is the truth, and this happens in California, like it's it's like a godsend. But in California, like it's so fucking hard to get a deal out here when you have a buyer who is like, you know, gonna overpay or whatever, or not overpay, or if they're they're gonna offer you the number that you wanted or more usually. Everyone in California, for the most part, and it's kind of ironic because usually New York's more of a no bullshit place. People in San Diego are nuts to get deals. So like you, you have so much more control over it. In New York, it's such a slow process. There's right. So, so, many, so many more things can go wrong. Yeah. Quick, There's so much more bullshit. How long does a quick wholesale deal take you in California? So is there title issues? Let's say it's clean. Seven days. Right. I mean, you can do that in Pennsylvania too. Seven, you can get title back. In New York, you know what a quick wholesale deal is for me? It's probably two months. That's generous, honestly. That's generous. It depends on the municipality. Yeah, it, it, but that, it's about two months, sometimes three yeah. months. But sometimes you need to get some kind of searches from that place and they don't give it to you. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is so weird. My um, record's 30 days. My, my record purchase, this is not assignment, but my, no, we've done wholesale deals fast, like 30 days, but that's like no, not normal. I've bought property, like taken down, closed, funded in 30, but if that's like 30 yeah, days. But- pushing it yeah if we have the funds the funds to do it it's 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 a quicker process but if it went when you're stuck in the middle it's a problem if you're the buyer who's yeah. going to jerk you around because you're representing things to the seller and the buyer you think the buyer is going to do and then the buyer doesn't you know the deal that i closed last was it closed on april 2nd it was supposed to close in march and the guy was pissed off and and it was because the buyers were jerking me around so it happens, but yeah, if we can close the deal, we can close the deal much quicker. But it, but when you got to deal with when you're in the middle, it gets it gets messy sometimes. Normally, what happens, I'll tell you why it normally takes a little bit longer. Well, you know this, but it's it's never the title; it's the municipal stuff. That's what happens because these towns are so well, stupid. It's like yeah, you got to get the fire. You sure. take all kinds of stupid things: the housing and building search and the tax cert and all that stupidity. It it that could take time, but but sometimes it's. Um, you know, just the seller's attorney or the buyer's attorney that's jerking you around over the documentation. That's what will I found a new title company, Green Acre. Shout out to Green Acre. Derek, you're the man. Um, they they can get title, not municipals, back in like eight to twelve days. So like you're not time. you're not using Hillendale anymore? We we split them up, but I'm leaning more towards Green Acre. Here's another nugget that they don't talk about on the seminar stage. Uh, hence why people are listening. All right, this is real facts. And this is not relevant to a crazy story, but we're just going to go anywhere we can go on this podcast. This is how you get people pissed off. Not not buyers <laughs> and sellers. This is this is this is real. This happened on the deal we did in Newburgh, by the way. So, when you lock a deal up, your attorney's going to order title from whoever. And then this this is a real problem that that has happened. If the end buyer, if you're assigning it or doing a double close because that happens a lot too, if the end buyer's attorney is adamant on not using your title company, you cause a stir in the whole process. And right. it gets it takes three to four weeks longer than it should. Because- it can take longer. The, the main reason that I want to go to a buyer that's going to use my title, people don't really understand this. On some level, I want to use a title company that I know who maybe can, you know, if it's a gray area, they can help me. But the main reason is because it's such a, good excuse to to not close right you can just always say title isn't in municipals aren't in 
if you have it and you're in control, then that you take away a big chunk of the excuse, right? The other good excuse is, oh, my attorney's away on vacation and all that bullshit that you, like you just said. Like, I, and, I, and I've used that uh, excuse, but, but um, <laughs> you can get the title and know that the title's there. Um, it takes away some of the wiggle room that the buyer has from jerking you around. So I'm a big fan of that. And I, will, I would probably assign a deal if it wasn't a big dollar amount difference to somebody who's paying me a little less if they agreed to use my title than somebody who's paying me a little more if they weren't using the title just for the reasons that we said. It's a big deal that if a buyer agrees to use your title. And, and it's, some, it's always some jerk-off attorney that the buyer that some buyer picks who says, oh, no, I need to be in control of the title. It is the stupidest bullshit I've ever heard. And I hear we hear it all the time, right? Oh, we can. I, we need to order the title. How do we know your title? Title's the same shit everywhere. It's so stupid, you know? I, I'm always amazed that a buyer uses an attorney who says that. And sometimes I'll, I'll, I, I use um, Google Forms to get to submit bids for people to submit bids. And one of the questions is, can you use our title? And when somebody says no, sometimes I'll call them and go, why can't you use your title? Because my attorney has to order a title. I'm like, hey, I'm just telling you, that puts you, it puts, you no at, sense. puts you at a disadvantage whether you're going to get to the deal or not. It, and you know what it does? It, it, it makes you vulnerable as a wholesaler because the seller is in, like, your attorney... This is why New York wholesaling is like no other place. It's your attorney and the seller's attorney are in basically one agreement. And then their, their attorney is aware that you're using XYZ title. And then when you throw this wrench into the pot, all of a sudden the, the seller's attorney has no effing clue what's going on. They're like, wait a minute, what? We already- well, yeah. That happened once on a deal where it was there were title issues and we cleared all the title issues. It took a long time with my title company. And then I assigned it to some guy who wouldn't use my title company and yeah. the seller's attorney went bananas. He's like, I spent hours and hours clearing this shit. Now I got to clear it with somebody else. Yeah. It was a big deal. And it, my attorney got pissed off at me. Yeah. I'm like, I don't I could do. I wish I could have assigned somebody with the, the, the only guy that was going to take it was a guy who, uh, who, uh, needed to order a title but it's always a nightmare when that happens and then you have to cancel with a one title company and you got to pay them a fee sometimes and i get it i get My it title company doesn't charge me a fee but it's not a fee thing it's like and also they come like this was complicated so they might have different things to clear so the seller attorney's like i already provided you with x y and z now you're asking me for a b and c it's a it's a big problem That's so it's, it's something you should always push when you're wholesaling that the buyer uses your title always you know what's interesting about that like the buyer for some reason thinks, and this is like the psychology of buyers, they think that if they want you to use your title, they think there's something shady going on, even though there's never something shady because you can't close it for something shady going on, especially sometimes, in New York. It's so slow. You'd find sometimes that anyway. well, it's an attorney will come up with that. Most buyers, I don't think really care. That's like, what, yeah, the attorney is. Title is sort of like <coughs> something we have to get over. Um, but some attorney had to experience one, you know, 27 years ago where, they used some other title company and somebody came back to bite them in the ass. So they didn't pay the, they didn't pay the water and we had to pay the extra water fee. Like something stupid, like some ancient fossilized asshole attorney comes up with that idea and then decides I'm never closing a deal unless I order the title. And also some of these guys have relationships and they want Knicks tickets and they want to go to the, they want to sit at the legends box seats at the, at the Yankees at Yankee stadium and the title company provides them. And anytime they can order a title, you know, it makes them look better and it's, but it, it's as a as a wholesaler, you have to. Re, it might you got it almost is, it should be like a dollar amount that you can put on it. <coughs> it's relatively significant of how much less you will take 
to go to for a buyer that will use your title as opposed to a buyer that won't. 100% and a repeat buyer. I do put value on that if it's close on the price. Like right. it, it, it really comes down to like, okay, if I know this person's good on what they say they're going to do, like I value leaving five grand on the table versus like some other schmuck who's going to get right, his the attorney with- Devil you know facts. better than the devil yeah. you know. Totally. All right, Mike, we got time for one more story and then we both got to run. What, uh, right, what, what other story you got for us? I got a story. I had a deal. It was a short sale, right? Like a layup short sale. And explain the short sale for people who don't okay, know sure. what that is. The situation where the 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 money, the mortgage that was owed was more than the value of the house, and the lender agreed to take a short uh, payoff if they sell the property. Sure. And it looked to me like it was a fifty or sixty thousand dollar deal, but I had to get it vacant. There was one kid in there. I don't know if he's a hundred percent, and I kept going there and telling him, you know, I'm going to give you money to get out of here, and then. Very strange. The lender called the short sale negotiator that I use on a Wednesday and said, if you don't close on this Friday, the deal is dead. Interesting. I think they had to get it off their books. I don't know what was going on. And gave me two days to close. And I now had a big problem because and I screwed up this one a little bit. So I, fa I, so I scramble and I find a buyer who will pay me, I don't know, like $25,000. But <coughs> I have to be on the hook to get the tenant out. I wasn't clear about that. I, I wanted to tell them that they will pay the tenant, but I'll negotiate with the tenant. But I wasn't clear and I was desperate because I was scrambling and I wasn't, I wasn't, I was not, I didn't effectively communicate what I wanted. And basically they understood, which made sense that I was going to pay them off. So we close and the money's held in escrow. So I don't even get paid. And I go to the site and I finally get in touch with like this kid's mother and his stepfather. And I'm like, got to get out of here like right away right and i think i think they said how much i think i paid him like four thousand dollars and i'm like you gotta leave this is it this is your last and only chance and um and they left and the buyers bought it and and they and they took it so i ended up making a probably around 20 grand on it but it was like I, when i got the call i almost didn't believe it they said you have to close by friday i'm like this friday they're like yeah i go that's in two days they said yeah and i got but i got it done i made some money on it so in the end i was a little and this is stupid. I was like nauseous that I thought there was more money in there. But the, when the lender gives you that deadline, you don't have a choice. So at least I made I made chicken salad out of chicken shit. There you go. Did, that's funny. Did, did you, uh, was it a squatter? Or who was who was in the property? Squatters for years. Like legitimate they moved, squatters? Legitimate squatters. They moved in right when the pandemic started. And the, and the seller, the seller um, went to the cops and they whipped out a lease. And the cops said, there's nothing we could do. Oh man, that is that is brutal. Why well, bought, bought it at a why bought it at a discount? Where was the property? Am, uh, Amityville. Amityville. Was that Am that was? Did you close that this year? Was that this? Was that a recent one? Yeah, it closed. Uh, no, it closed last year, but it uh, the hell was it? It closed last year, but towards the end of the year. Did uh did what was I going to say? Did the um did you assign the LLC? How did you get, how did you do that? You, you created a new LLC and then you sold the LLC. We had an LLC that the bank, the bank agreed to sell into and uh, sold the interest in the LLC to the, sold to the, the interest in the LLC. So you basically, and then it happened at the closing, basically the closing is when the LLC. So it's the same shit, just a different form of paperwork, basically. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a way, it's a way to wholesale a short sale.
I call that the Michael Pinter special. You're the, you're the expert when it comes to that. You know, it's, it's, it's my idea. I think it was my attorney's idea because he does those kinds of things all the time. It, you know, the thing with that is the short sales I've noticed, I haven't done too many of them, but I, like I talked about on the first episode we did with this kind of topic, it's like the, some of these lenders, I don't know what their algorithm says to them, but they'll just dump these properties. And it, to me, I'm like, like, it doesn't make any sense, but I don't really care. I don't ask questions. I just do what I say I'm going to do. There's and, no way uh, to figure it out. That's, that's the problem with short sales. You don't really know what you're ever going to be able to buy it at. I had a deal where I think the lender agreed to X and now the lender just came back before they, before they, they gave an approval, but they didn't, they weren't allowed, they didn't sign the contract. And then they said, no, we want $50,000 more. I'm like, I don't know if the deal works at that. I had a deal that I thought was a layup and now I don't know if it's going to even work at all. It's short sales are a real pain in the ass. I mean, they, they work sometimes, but you, every time I go into contract on a short sale, I generally assume it's never going to close. If it does close, it's just a bonus. Do you, um, one more question on that because people probably have a few of them is when you do the short sale, do you have that short sale agent put it on the MLS for like 10 minutes or is that you just bypass that? So there's a, here's something that here's a little nugget for people who don't know. There's another MLS called the New York state MLS, which basically if something's listed on it, it's a short sale that nobody wants that, that the seller doesn't, that the buyer doesn't want anybody to see. So you put it on New York state MLS, no one sees it. The bank sees that it's listed. doesn't know there's a difference and that's how it works. Interesting. Yeah. And I'll tell you that at the seminars, not the real MLS. It's like, the, it's like a bullshit MLS. When I sometimes, but like sometimes I'll see a property and if it shows up there, I'm like, I know this is short sale. I know the only reason anybody would ever list there is because it's a short sale. And it has to be listed for like a, a week or something, right? Oh, some of them wanted a day. Some of them wanted like the day that it's submitted. It's everybody's got their own rules, but um, That's... every and every every servicer is different. Also, some don't even need it. Most do. Yeah, interesting. That's interesting stuff. We could talk for hours about this stuff. We want to uh, definitely uh, wind it down now. I mean, or else this is a four-hour podcast. So, big takeaways for the listeners: number one, uh, you're going to see crazy stuff if you're doing deals. You're going to just run into. And the, the thing is this. The better you get at solving problems, the more money you're going to make. I know we've said that before in the show, but at the end of the day, these crazy stories that we mentioned with buyers and sellers and lenders and all that kind of stuff, title companies, this is inevitable if you're going to, especially in our market, when you're going to be, you know, messing around with, with attorneys, like you're, you're just going to run into this. So it is going to be normal. You're going to, you're not the only one dealing with this bullshit. This happens to everybody. And once you do it, you understand how it works. And then the next time you do it, it's a lot easier, or you're not going to be surprised. Like when you have a, a buyer's attorney, like just be adamant on using the title company. That's normal, right? So you don't have to be like, oh, why does this keep happening? It's like, yo, that is that's like the rain is going to come when it gets cloudy, right? So just understand that. And uh, if you do have a deal that you don't understand or you need help with, if it's in the Hudson Valley, hit me up. If it's in Long Island, hit Michael up. Hope everyone enjoys the show. Please, if you do. I st- I've been doing a lot. I've been doing the five boroughs lately. I mean, I'm in Brooklyn. What's I'm doing the, it. You're, you're like the like Queens and shit. Queens and Brooklyn, I've been doing deals there. So I'm Staten Island even. So if you have any deals in the five boroughs, I'll, I'm happy to talk to you about that. Are, are you seeing uh, Are you seeing New York City a little bit harder to deal with title-wise or is it the same shit? Like with municip- no, like municipals, because it's a city. No, it's easier. The municipals are easier. Is it Believe faster? It yeah. Really? Usually, usually it is. It's, not, it's easier to get information from the five boroughs than it is from like... From the town, and it's, it's, it depends where, right? If you're in, if you're, there are some villages where you can get you can get the municipals in a, in a day, yeah. and then there are some towns where it takes four weeks. So it depends, but in, but the five boroughs, I think, are pretty easy to get information. Interesting. 
have you seen is there any different like differences with the logistics or is it the same thing just same thing just different area it's really the same thing look at that so if you got if you're in new york city what about manhattan is that still or is that not not really i haven't got, i haven't gotten a deal there but i i would you know um but like uh i'm just seeing a lot more brooklyn queens i usually stay away from it but lately the deals have been coming in so i'm i'm taking them do you close or you just do assignments over there Depends on the situation. I'm assigning something in Brooklyn now. I may close on something in Brooklyn. Although the guy just said no to my offer, but I don't know. We'll Look see. at that. So if you're in New York City, hit up Mike Pinter and go to a, take you to a Met game after. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, enjoy the show. Like I said, if you're if you are like the show, subscribe on YouTube, like it on YouTube. We're getting more views on YouTube. Uh, follow the podcast. Put it on social media. That's how we leave a review. Obviously on iTunes. If you're listening to this, that's how we help. That's how we grow the show. And we'll see everybody on the next episode.